The Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery books and bring their game pitches to you. Hello listeners, and welcome to episode 86 of The Big Red Couch. Here in approximately sunny Edinburgh, I'm Craig, and in the actually sunny parts of the world, though I suspect not at the moment, we have... Ben. And it was, yeah, it was like balmy 20 degrees, but with less humidity than usual today. So it was, like, tolerable. Yep. Look at that rain. I think the fans are evening out the rain in the background for me, so it's pretty good. Nice. That cold January rain. I I don't really have a good riff for that. I'm trying to remember what 20 degrees is like. I've got nothing. You know, it's a number. Yeah, yeah, it's a number. It's, It's a number that describes the temperature. Yeah, I was going to suggest, why don't you go out and like find some hinge somewhere with better Wi-Fi, but I suspect it was two degrees outside at the moment. Oh, nah, it doesn't look too bad. It'd still be as cold as all hell. It snowed um, a week or so back. Not very much. Yeah, just sort of enough to, to remind you that it could do so at any moment if it wanted to. <laughs> if there was any, any moisture left in the air, it would fucking snow. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, it, it did hang around on the roof of um, cars for a while, so that was quite fun. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know what happens if it snows even more. I'm, I'm not sure that steep cobblestone streets and footpaths plus snow and ice is necessarily a great combination. Just putting that one out there. Yeah, but it keeps the jeans hardy, as they say. Well, after they've sort of weathered the impact of sliding down. Oh, oh, G E, not J E. Gotcha. Okay, I'm up to speed. So, which forsaken part of the Isles are you frolicking around this week? Currently it is Edinburgh, which is a lovely city, which I have been to before, and I think we've actually recorded from before. Mm-hmm. Uh, your Skype thing said you're you're in Inverness, so... Ah, okay, I need to update that. <laughs> um, no, Inverness was a little while ago, now it's Edinburgh, where it's on the cold side, though not as cold as Inverness was, because it's... A chunk further south, but while still remaining in Scotland. Yes, it's a rather nice city. There's lots of stone around. It's got some incredibly steep streets. And some where they just gave up partway through and put in steps, mm-hmm. which is always fun. And, um, yes, it snowed a little bit a week or so back. Yeah, maybe 15 minutes. But it was enough to build up a, a supply of snow on the roof of some cars for a while. And... It did last until nightfall, so that was something. Yeah. I had no particular desire to go out and play in the snow for fear of damaging it, to be honest. Like a number of years ago when some friends and I went on a snow trip to go snowboarding, but there was almost no snow, to the extent that we actually felt guilty building a tiny little snowman uh, in a corner of the uh, beginner's slope of the ski field because there was that little. So we just sort of balanced three snowballs on the top of each other and called it a day. You made a proportional snowman. It was proportional to the amount of snow available. Yeah, they had the snow the snowmakers going as, as hard as they could, but uh, yeah, they were doing their best, but it just wasn't strong enough. Um, you felt bad squandering that precious resource that they had carefully fashioned. <laughs> a little bit, yes. I mean, this was this was a situation where they had the snowmakers going in the beginners area, and so there was sort of the beginners skiing and snowboarding area open. And then the next open bit of the mountain was up in the you'd-want-to-be-good section. 
I think it came as a relief to everybody when on the last day it absolutely pelted down with snow and we were able to build a proper sized snowman in the car park. Right. Okay, so what's our prompt for today? Our prompt for today, and I'll see if I can recall where that was shot to us from. I, I actually have the image up on the screen. Indeed, um, handy. Uh, <laughs> that's what I went looking for, was it? The card sent to us via Will, but from the um, grubby Markov chains of the Spambot Oatcakes, I noticed to his rear that the Alhazred icon had begun to glow. So, so you got something for this one? Yeah, yeah, I've been come up with some notions which are kind of been a fusion of stuff I've been reading lately, which is probably worrying. Mine combines a part of the movie Hudson Hawk and the Ward and West Batman series. I got to hear this. Can't <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I give up. You go first. No, 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 I think you should go first. I think we, we just leave that one hanging there and um, use it as a transparent kind of clickbaity, you know, number 17 will shock you kind of thing. It's not, it can't be clickbait. There's nothing to click on. It's halfway through the intro to an episode. It's not even, oh, what the hell? Okay. <laughs> that somebody's probably already downloaded. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to say it works. Yes, your um, internet media management might need a little bit of adjustment there. Fair enough. So what you're saying is I should, I should take that out of the expert section on my CV and put it into the rank amateur at best section? If you think laughable is too harsh, sure. Well, laughable has a certain fun thing to it, so I, I can see that working on a resume. Yeah, what's your skill level of this? Laughable. Like, so you suck, but you're cheerful about it. You're pretty relaxed about how bad you are. Okay, and at least you acknowledge how bad you yeah. are. It's like, no, no Dunning-Kruger syndrome for you. Was it one of the Mighty Ducks movies with the... Do you think it's funny to fail? Well, not at first, but once you get used to it. I couldn't tell you. I don't think I've ever seen a Mighty Ducks movie. Mm, I'd like to tell you you'd missed out. You would, wouldn't you? <laughs> the first one was pretty good. The first one was pretty good. The second one felt a little bit to me like they were trying too hard to leave us some new characters into the existing um, ensemble. It's always tricky. Anyway, um... <laughs> Right. Okay. So I had a look at the prompt and thought, what sort of games comes from this? And there's a couple of there's a couple of clear directions here. The the phrase suggests sort of like slow dawning horror and a realization that something terrible has happened. The fact the uh, spambot appears to have swapped out Alhazred for Hazard or something similar is interesting. And also, the fact that the um, character Abd al Hazred, which is extremely bad Arabic, if you were, if anyone's keeping uh, score. Oh, you looked that up as well, did you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I recognised that from my Call of Cthulhu days. The mad Arab was. Uh, oh, no, I was meaning that, that, that it was really bad, um, bad Arabic. Or bad Arabic, yeah, non, a non Arabic naming system. Indeed. It was come up with by Anki, Anki Harold of his. Uh, extremely um, dodgy orientalist leadings, so that wasn't shocking to me. In fact, it was like a, a, a pseudonym for H.P. Lovecraft, or a, a fictional author of this, the, of the, the Necronomicon, okay. it's, you know, which is a catalogue of terrible, horrible things that will turn your brain inside out if you read too much. That kind of got me thinking, along the lines... <laughs> as it does. As it does, <laughs> as it will, inevitably... Along the lines of the, well, 
there was actually there's actually a, a, a reference to the TV show Lucifer. Made it part of what I'm thinking of here. The detective and and he were investigating a murder at an a, an internet startup or a company, and he discovered that they had people who looked at reported obscenity and 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 things on the videos the users posted. And you know because he is quite out of touch with general morality and and you know the fr- fragility of the human spirit, he was like really impressed that they'd found themselves this amazing job where they got to see all these really interesting videos <laughs> while, the, while the detective was talking to this. Yeah, it's like, most people last, like, a month and a half. <laughs> hmm. You know, and one of the things he said is that they, um, he mentioned that they refer- referred to these people as being sin eaters. The idea of that they were taking on the transgressions of people, having to witness them, and somehow not quite absolving them in the, the, the original Sort of sort of religious context, but sort of exposing to their thing as was their job. Sort of came up with the idea that maybe that the Lovecraftian mythos is out there on the internet, and there's something about it that you, you know you can mechanically check for, and a little bit like ad blockers, you could probably blank or or, or just remove. Move from your, your feed on the web page or the content. You're probably safe from it. The machines, however, cannot recognize and interpret what's going on and do, and so to an extent, they can do something about it. So you have to employ people to do this. However, there is a limit to the amount of such information someone can soak up before horrible things happen, possession, madness, etc., so there is a general... So sort the of, usual. Yeah, dude, the, the, you know, the entirely usual things when you're talking about sort of, that, sort of, that sort of Lovecraftian stuff. So they can roughly measure your exposure, but they still have to employ people to go spelunking into the places where most people fear to tread to find out what's going on. And the the game that the the the, the systemization of that that I was talking of is basically fusing together you know elements of the laundry as far as the lore and the backstory go and, and the fact that you know you're fighting elder gods from inside of a cubicle is, is a, um, a little bit of global frequency for the um, exciting horrors that are being unleashed on the world because I got a chance to reread that recently and that, that was a good time. It's, I think, the first time I've ever heard anybody describe global frequency like that. <laughs> and the sort of shift-based um, mechanisms that come from Night Witches. Because it, you'll, be, ah. you'll be somewhat mission-focused during part of the game. And the rest of the time... Well, possibly they, they keep a fairly close eye on these people because they may be conduits, you know... They're uh, to elder gods, something like burst out of their head at some point, and you know, they'll have to do something about that. And they may even select groups of people that they hope will balance them out. You know, they're the opposite of reality TV stars. They want them to be a, a little bit grounded and realistic. So they tend to hang out together because also they can't talk to anyone else about their job for several very no. good, very good reasons. But this is not going to be f- entirely free of drama. So in attempting to, as a night witcher, night witches, you attempt to, which if we haven't talked about it enough on the show, is the powered by the apocalypse game about Russian airwomen dropping 
railway ties in lieu of bombs when they can't find them from trainers and clapped out old planes during night bombing runs against the advancing German front. Which, as you can imagine, again, some fun times there. But the notion that you are, instead of repairing planes and sort of and, and, and scrabbling together moments of human contact and, and war between night bombing missions, you are trying to get your head together in between staring into the armpits of the internet. Ew. I probably didn't need to put the armpits thing there, did I? It it conveyed the tone perfectly. It was more the general concept I was ewing. Okay. That's a nice one. I could definitely definitely see the, the idea that, you know, the the, the, the the workstations have been ruggedized to some degree. You know, a little bit more sort of gold lead and um, holy solder than most machines are put together plus they have extra you know e- extra interesting li- lights that you know light up to indicate too much bad shit has come through the monitor <laughs> at, at this time please apply straight jackets and deal with the uh, possible consequences mm. now we cannot help but notice that the little uh, the little lead figurine of saint christopher has melted might be worth giving this guy a week off Yes. Interesting. I would n- I would not have thought of that. That said, I haven't seen the show Lucifer yet. So. Oh, that was it. Was literally aha! I see a Neil Gaimanism. No, no other American show would reference sin eaters casually and just flip off to the next thing. That is true. And if you ever get the opportunity to see the movie of of that name, um, it has its moments. Cool. It's quite good. Hmm. I'll put it in the show notes. Right. I'll, I'll admit, I'm having a little trouble... Actually, no, I'll, I'll walk that back. No, I, I was going to say I was having a little trouble figuring out what people do, but, yeah, what they do is what they're doing. I mean, that's how Apocalypse games work. So, yeah. Mm, yes, I suspect the problem would be that... Like, maybe they're not just um, net nanny people. Maybe they're not just flagging sites for being all Cthulhu-y. Maybe they are... Ooh, that would make it even more grim. Um, maybe they are their drone operators, not as unfortunate as you know the the people who get to fire Hellfire missiles at folks from great altitudes, which interestingly enough causes PTSD with an, as much reliability as other forms of combat. I did not know that. That's oh, read some articles. It's kind of horrible. Oh yeah, it's it's it is really disturbing. Making it. More unreal makes it somehow more jarring and strange. Huh. Yes, but so if they are, if they are coordinating activities on the ground, yeah, maybe it's like a Delta Green Ops Center kind of thing. They are the ones. They're the ones. They are the ones sending people out and then hearing the horrifying screams coming back when it goes wrong. They, yeah, they do the, the intel, they pull up the, the real-time surveillance, and, okay, who owns that car, where are we, who is this person, how long have they been missing, kind of thing. And instead of being the, the you know, having the cathartic real-world interaction with the, the squiggly nether beasts, you know, getting to shoot them in the face, they're getting them by proxy, but, you know... Seeing like seeing a Shoggoth in thermal from above is probably not a whole lot less terrifying than from ground level. It puts me in mind of uh, there's a sequence from Aliens from memory where you've mm. got 
you've got the the team kind of roaming around in I think it's the reactor or the the atmosphere processor or whatever the hell it is. They're they're in the cooling system of the and, in the reactor. <laughs> and meanwhile, you've got the yeah, you've got Ripley and is it Gorman? The, yeah, the lieutenant. The sort of commander basically instructions by remote, and then it all starts to go to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, well, he yes, he's not done a lot of um, actual combat missions. He knows the technology, he knows the protocols, but when shit starts coming out of the walls, and you know, he's kind of a um, he's kind of a, a mockable joke character, but you know. Uh, you know, who yeah. would have done better, to be honest. <laughs> he drew the short straw vis-a-vis that particular hmm. assignment. Yes. Possibly something with less xen- xenomorphs might have been a better first introduction to um, sort of on-the-field, on-the-ground command. Yeah, it was a crappy first assignment to Paul, to be sure. And he got redeemed with a brotastic grenade hug with Vasquez later on. So, you know. That's true. And points for uh, brotastic is the word. Mm. I'd not heard that one before. It seemed appropriate. Yeah, so the, the notion the notion that rather than being people who are investigators who are quietly probing around the edges of a of a, a, a mythical thing and, you know, deciding very much how they're going to engage with it, these folks are bound to a more mission sort of orientated, structured kind of thing. But also Rather than just having the stresses and the um, the transferred trauma of witnessing these things or directing them and being partially responsible for the actions or things that, that, that take place, be they good or bad, but also being driven to do it by duty and, and you know the job that they're doing could be interesting. Could be kind of horrible game though, because the I, I mean if you were being a, a you know a, a good a GM with a suitably advanced level of fuckery. There is a chapter in Apocalypse World called Advanced Fuckery, so it's, it's important to know these things. You would get them quite attached to some of the squads they're working with, and inevitably things would go south, and the characters would have to deal with things going south. So, Yes, I mean, it would be Emergency Dispatch, the RPG. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that, as you say, you'd... Well, I'd say for any any other game than Apocalypse World, you'd want to be playing with that um, on-duty, off-duty thing. With Apocalypse World, eh, maybe you just sort of ramp up the um, ramp up the darkness in different ways for often on-duty. Well, I thought of um, Night Witches, which is um, powered by the Apocalypse, because it has that day-night cycle. And the idea is that mm. you could introduce uh, something like the f- uh, Fire Fate Worlds one, where you play firefighters, and it has similar sorts of different roles and different, oh, yeah. different sorts of stress. Something we brought up before is the idea of breaking things into not quite classes, but definitely having roles within the party for people to do different things. But that implicitly having different sorts of stresses and drawbacks and problems that they're dealing with. Nice. Like it. That would be pretty cool. And given that I am currently listening to one and a half Apocalypse World actual plays, it's certainly teaching me a bit more about how the dratted game works. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Who, whose playthroughs have you gone with? 
Uh, the Sunday Skypers are doing their Uncharted, Uncharted Worlds one. Okay. And the gutter, gutter Skypes are setting up for one at the moment. I, my impression is that they were originally thinking it was going to be a one-shot, but decided to do a two little characters and then have something that sort of directly screwed with those characters. That's ideal. I, in the you know, base Apocalypse world, um, you always play out a day in the life first. So that's part of your uh, initial setup. Okay. Uh, it's effectively part of world creation. And you can play, you could play that as a game if you felt like it. But, you know, if you, if you have, if you're experiencing any level of success at all, you'd want to find out what happens next. So. Cool. Yep. I get it. And with any luck, I'll get to either, um, run some Apocalypse World tomorrow or plan a game of Questlandia, which is actually a very similar sort of thing, but it's GMless, and you all come up with a fate, um, create characters and come up with the fate of a kingdom. A slightly smaller... Nice. Slightly smaller scale. Questlandia looks like an awesome one-shot, or something you use to build your um, your kingdom in peril to go adventuring in. And definitely good practice for narrative-driven kind of gaming collaborative creation things like that so yeah, quite keen to do that ah okay an introduction to the to the fields it's entirely self-contained but you know in the same way that inspectors is also a good sort of gateway drug to that kind of thing or fiasco okay yep i was going to go with candyland being a introduction to board games by analogy but um inspectors is probably a better one so yeah. Okay. So so that would be horribly mentally scarred drone operators against the mythos. That well, fun is perhaps the wrong word, but that still does sound fun. Also, I've got to ask, what is the background for the card image? Oh, uh, it's the guts of the computer that's sitting next to me, still unfinished. I have really got to get onto that. <laughs> huh. I sh- okay. I think the, bl- the blue lighting is a nice touch. I think I did get a little bit crazy, and I plugged in a like a portable drive or something with a brilliant blue LED, and the um, the yellowy glow is from a salt lamp that I stuck on the side of the case, just to give it a bit of bit of bit of you know texture. Nice, very nice. Yes, I do remember when those blue LEDs started to become cheaper, and they were just putting them in everything, and they could light up an entire room. <laughs> People hadn't quite figured out moderation at that stage. You'd forget you left something, you'd, you'd left a portable drive or something plugged in, you'd stumble out the middle of the night, you swear that you're about to be abducted because of all the blinking and glowing. Yeah, it's a little creepy. Particularly if it's monitoring the sort of the transfer rate, so just flickering almost in a pattern, but not quite. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it sort of has the effect of a, a ticking metronome that occasionally misses a step or puts in an extra tick and you're not sure how. Might have just been me. That and being able to see the dratted thing through closed eyes. They're a bit punchy, it's true. Indeed. Okay. That would be fun. That would, that would be an interesting game. I, would, I think I would like to play in that game. 
should we we got some audience suggestions for the previous episode should we put them at the end should we drop them into the middle to oh no if we're playing to, 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 to mix mix it up a bit yo no, if, we're, um, if we're playing the gambit of stretching out your crazy i can't remember how crazy now it was that, that long ago idea it, it just, wasn't actually that crazy just to tease that it might have there was a little bit of there might have been a little bit of uh, garbled communication there because i'm still not sure what i heard Fair enough. Or should, should we go into my one then? Should we? Should no, we no, do no, that? no. If we if we are doing if we are doing the the trick of teasing it out like that, let's go for the um, the audience content. And then we'll finish off with yours. Give it a real build up. Yeah, it's it's not actually worth the build up. <laughs> well, that's part. That's well, like you said, clickbait. Part of the fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's part of the clickbaity fun. Fair enough. Well, I will throw out the. Um, there was the idea that this is from the forums. Burning put forth a a building on the notion kind of idea for Captain Plantagenet and the Plantageneteers. Do you want to read it? Should I? I'll put it on the, the Trello board. So I'll give it a go. All right. Okay, from Burning. I didn't have any ideas for this one in advance, but building on Craig's notion of Captain Plantagenet and the Plantagenet Ears, being a sarcastic name, it occurs to me that it represents an opportunity to combine world-saving underdog sports team tropes. Clearly, there is already some well-funded, highly regarded super team already tasked with defense of the realm, and, and everyone on it is just a big bag of Richard III's. Instead of actually doing their jobs, they spend their energy harassing and insulting our heroes. You need to play it differently than a movie would, Watching them get curb-stomped by the eldritch horror from around the walls of Tudor would, would be a bunch of tedious PC downtime, but they could possibly be made into an in- interesting extra challenge to overcome. Do you want to read your bit? I, I had cropped up with comparing them as being the, the really rottens to the PCs scooby Doobies or yogi Yahooies, which is a throwback to the Laugh Olympics cartoons of my childhood, and then threw out the idea that if I wanted to curb stomp these guys, I would set them up so that the players just plain hate them. You know, and ideally the players, not just the characters. Have them steal the limelight again by riding out to vanquish the foe, cheered on by the adoring town folks and their ability and so on, and then get smushed before they can draw steel. Mostly because I really want to know what the players do when there's this shocked silence and then all of these people who never gave them a second glance suddenly turn to Captain Plantagenet and company. Ah, so you have the about face of, yes, you're you're just you're the second rate nobodies. We are the heroes. They ride out to 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 do mortal conquest and just get crushed. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh. just instantly. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, and then Taz followed up mm. with insert one singed and smoking bad. It ate them. It ate them all. So why are you still alive? The, the bad shudders at some unseen memory. It left me alive to tell you people never do that again. And and it said send divergens. I was not sure from the way Taz suggested this whether this was the standard dragon or monster requiring sacrifice or whether this was one final piece of dickbaggery from these guys, whether the bard is looking directly at the player, the the PCs, oh, as right. he says it, okay, as just one final, yeah. 
I just finished rereading. Well, actually, finished off reading the boys. I half read the series, and I finished off. Ah. Yeah, so yeah, I could definitely see the um, almost every character was completely ir- irreprehensible at one time or other. Most of them were just total irredeemable shits. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a squad put together by Wee Huey would be a bit different to one put together by Butcher. Well, hopefully, well, and part of that, yes, the moments that that the reader insert character starts to get concerned he's turning into his mentor. Yeah. So interesting, though, frighteningly offensive series, that one. Oh my, yes. Yes, it's it's a good one and a horrible one in approximately equal measure. Yeah, I've, that, uh, that suggestion of burnings... It would be easy to one where you're just sitting back watching the GMPCs get get all the glory and then get stomped, which yeah, it it takes some balance to get that right. Well, if it's if it's clearly the you are playing the mystery men game, everyone's bought in. They're a little bit shit compared to the sort of status quo A grade heroes. Having them then become responsible for saving the day because splat would be interesting. Mm. I'm just wondering whether you'd get the, the the somewhat Rorschach moment of, and they'll look up and say, "Save us," and I'll look down and say, "No." <laughs> and we're like, "How?" Hmm. <laughs> well, yes, that is the, the the secondary question. Yes, those guys were awesome. Look what happened to them. All right. Sh- should I throw in the? Episode 86 idea at this point. Is that is this the appropriate time to do this, do you think? Sure. Uh, actually, I was just wondering what you've got. An, you've got another idea for 85? It was a thing that had come up with because having done my standard, I don't have a lot of ideas, so let's just Google words from the prompt and see what happens. And uh, there was a ship called the HM Plantagenet, which got launched in, I think, 1801 and was retired in 1817, and really only seemed to have been involved in two things in that time period. It was hanging around in Virginia in the War of 1812, and it was part of capturing a French privateer. That's it. Third-rate ship of the line, basically. And I hadn't really been able to come up with anything because it seemed like there should be a story there that it would be easy enough to have somebody misunderstand Captain of the Plantagenet as Captain Plantagenet. But I hadn't been able to come up with anything. Mm-hmm. And then, courtesy of reading through the Time Watch RPG and watching some of uh, Legends of Tomorrow, which I'm nearly up to date with, and maybe that's because maybe the HMS Plantagenet had got chosen by someone or something who needed a 74-gun warship, and and they figured that nobody would miss it because it has very little impact on the timeline. And, you know, in the standard histories, it served 16 years, but, you know, when they decommissioned the thing, did it have more weathering and far too many repairs for a ship that really hadn't done anything? Mm. The fact that it had the... The present timeline was relatively unremarkable for it because it was busy doing other stuff somewhere else. Indeed, you know, you could either go with, well, was this, you know, Her Majesty's one and only time ship, which 
then leaves you to have to explain a bunch of things. Yeah, but it does mean that, you know, could the War of 1812 have been so much worse if they hadn't been there that, you know, our version was the best option the Empire could come up with? Um, alternatively, what if somebody borrowed the ship, its crew refused to leave it, and it took it a long time to make it home? Hmm. You could have some fun potentially with, yeah, I mean, you, you're going with the Doctor Who sliders quantum leap kind of vibe, just with a British warship, sailor boat, turning up, creating problems. It's definitely less easy to conceal a telephone box, even if it is a total anachronism, even like 10 years after it was initially started to be used. True, yeah. Any, anywhere sort of later on in history, you can claim to be shooting a fish finger commercial, but... Um, Earlier, you've got some issues. It'll be hard to miss. I suppose it's got. It logically will be in the water, so at least that bit will be explained. Mm. That was yeah. It was just a fragment of an idea of okay. That's how you could use that. That's how you could use the ship, Mm. and you could have a lot of fun potentially with you know time agent for whatever reason needs the ship attaches the attaches the necessary gear to effectively turn it into an enormous wooden time machine and then suffers some misfortune. And so you've got a bunch of people who have absolutely no idea how to work it, just hammering at the buttons and hoping for the best. That could be interesting. You know, sort of, okay, we'll we'll make for Rome. Excellent, we've got to Rome. More triremes than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we may be a bit early. Now, or let's sail for London. Didn't there used to be a city here? <laughs> yes, I believe they did. <laughs> yes, a couple of huts and some sheep. You know, hang about. <laughs> mm. Oh, heck! If you if you get things to the right or potentially wrong era, sort of. Yeah, didn't there used to be a channel here and not this low lying swampy valley? Hmm. If you've arrived sufficiently early, that the English Channel hasn't a hundred percent arrived. Oh yes, I certainly wasn't a land bridge to um, Calais mm. here. Yeah, what happens when you end up in a lake in Doggerland, effectively? Hmm. I mean, you'd, you'd want to make sure that it wasn't, wasn't running on some somewhat slower version of the, all right, we've got to get this thing up to eight knots or we can never make the jump. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how I just turned this into a really bizarre version of Back to the Future, but there you go. Okay, so there was that one. <laughs> so this one I'm blaming entirely on uh, Gulo T, mostly because they're not here to defend themselves against the accusation. Right. Well, and for showing me Legends of Tomorrow, so... It is a cheesy, cheesy TV series. It is. I am worried about the fact that Mick is by far my favourite character in the show at this point. The giant, bald arsonist? That would be the one, yes. Right, yeah, yeah, fair enough. (laughs) The character just improves and improves and is just so much fun. (laughs) I mean, they have their moments, but yes, I'm very much just watching it for the Mick reactions (laughs) to things. Yeah, I think I preferred Captain Cold or whatever the hell he was called. Mm. He was fun. He was fun. That's true. I don't know if he'd ever seen Avon in action, but I think he was possibly channeling the spirit. Yes, certainly the sarcasm. So much sarcasm. So what is your terrible idea? Okay, now that we've given it as much built up as possible so that it can be the invariable... um, Is it Distractify tends to do the... 
sort of three pages per slide kind of clickbaity stuff? I'm not sure, because typically if there's a next page, I don't get past the first one, and I feel kind of dirty anyway. So, yeah. You too, huh? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, all right, this one comes to us courtesy of the movie Hudson Hawk and the 60s Batman TV series. Right, yes. You've got a lot to live up to, you know. All right, there is a sequence in the movie Hudson Hawk, and I'm going to say that this is not a spoiler because the movie's over 20 years old. Get on with it, people. Just go see it. You'll thank me or not later. There is a sequence in which our our hero, Eddie, is talking with Sister Anna um, in her apartment in Rome. Suddenly, the... I cannot for the life of me remember whether it is a Jesus or a Mary statue in a little niche on the wall starts glowing and buzzing because a message is coming in. No, I don't recall either, but I think... Or it could be a crucifix. Um, Eddie... No, it was definitely a person. It was Eddie... Eddie, as played by Bruce Willis, reacts with, Catholic girls are scary. That's the moment. Right, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's the first bit. So, yeah, and then we've got, you know, Catholic icon, so El Hazard icon. Right. And then I remembered the bat phone from the cheesy Batman TV series where you've got the phone and it rings and it's the commissioner calling Batman. And so when we combine them, I think what we have here is an Alhazred icon that the mad Arab Abd Alhazred wrote the Necronomicon, went completely mad, obviously, sometime during or possibly before or possibly after the process, and eventually dies, as people tend to with monotonous regularity in anything regarding the Cthulhu mythos. But there is this icon of El Hazard around, still dispensing information, usually in a timely fashion. And so what we have is this squad. So it's sort of got some elements of, of your idea of people dealing with problems, though this one's in a much cheesier fashion that at various times the El Hazard icon will buzz and will glow and a message will come through of some nameless horror. And of course it's going to be phrased in the complete mad ramblings of El Hazard, so at least part of it is going to be figuring out what on earth this guy is talking about this time. But from certain point of views, it's the more comedy version because you could argue that it's basically El Hazard's angels. Or maybe the brothers, the devil has built a robot from that episode of uh, Angel. Right. Though invoking the specter of Batman 66 definitely makes me think that the between scenes, they're going to have a spinning elder sign. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. (laughs) Quick to the Lovecraft mobile. (laughs) That, that's just going to give people the wrong idea. To the Howard Mobile. <laughs> yeah. Quick, to the Howard Mobile. <laughs> yeah, it would basically be if you wanted to do the Batman, Batman, Scooby-Doo, maybe Charlie's Angels approach to the mythos. This would be, it's not quite Inspectors. Inspectors feels to me a different sort of wacky. It's more grounded, less parody. Yeah, yeah. and this is the comedy parody version of 
of the mythos. So extremely beer and pretzels. The only thing that has probably gone this far out of its way to be silly is the tune supplement with Call of Cthulhu in it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, well, as soon as I thought of the Batman thing, I couldn't not think of the Batman thing, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a bit like that. Yeah, prior to that with the, 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 the Catholic Girls, a scary line from Hudson Hawk. Yeah, you could still go somewhere, but as soon as Batman comes onto the scene, forget it, it's gone. I know. It's, it's like I, I could hear Burt Ward saying, holy aquatic miscegenation, Batman. <laughs> Ooh, nice. <laughs> or unholy, I guess, but, you know. <laughs> holy rusted metal, Batman. Yeah, I think... What? Yeah, don't. <laughs> okay, uh, I guess this... <sighs> if I was going to go more serious and take the, the bat phone out of it, but still have the, the messages coming through, then, yeah, what you've got is this spooky icon possibly containing, I don't know, a finger bone from, from Al-Hazred that sends messages... Yeah, possibly you've got the thing sitting on a a gigantic table, sort of set up as a uh, like a uh, Ouija board planchette kind of thing, or you go a bit Stranger Things and um, have just have you know sending sort of garbled messages from yeah, somebody whose experience was being completely mad centuries ago, attempting to give dire warnings about stuff that they don't understand. Hmm. So it could get sort of national treasure slash ah uh, the other one. Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code. Yes. Like it, yeah, it could get a little bit more like that. But yes, actually, any doing doing a um, a rational treasure kind of nice working that on a mythos kind of angle would yeah that would work pretty well. Because mm, you're presumably doing it. Well, much as in the in the national treasure line of things, it was they were effectively trying to stop the bad guys. In this case, you're doing exactly the same thing, just with rather higher stakes than who gets all this cool stuff. Mm. Yeah, that that's about my best version of turning this into a serious game. If I wanted to go with the beer and pretzels one, then it would definitely be quick to the Howard Mobile. Yes. And I mean, at that point, you almost have to have bad guys like the Shoggoth and the King in Yellow, and but just sort of cartoonishly, cartoonishly evil and and horrifying versions thereof. Hmm. Oh, we must go to the Plateau of Ling. I'll fire up the Mythos jet. Yes, and you know, preventing cultists from getting you know artifacts for various purposes is pretty much a, a staple and you know, if you get to mm. punch a few nazis along the way it's all the rage at the moment so mm. indeed so i'm not sure whether that lived up to the hype or not yeah it's pretty good it's yeah mm. you kind of need to pick a direction and go with it though it would come down to whether we were going beer and pretzels in which case you just do that good and hard and it almost doesn't matter what the it almost doesn't matter what the opposition is just pick almost anything from one of the stories put a very simplistic uh, face on it and and go from there yeah you can assume that 
the king in yellow is going to be some guy with a crown who wears all yellow. He's going to have minions. They're probably going to be inexplicably based on English knights and the like to match in with the king theme. They'll all be wearing yellow. Everything will be yellow. Mm. And then mythos that up a bit. But, you know, much like the, the Batman 66 approach where everything was shorn of the intricacies and subtleties of the comics. I yes. can't believe I said that with a straight face. Indeed. <laughs> Those Silver Age comics were too Baroque and wordy. We need to put big <laughs> baff noises on the screen. Indeed. Yes, we've got to put the... Uh, was it the Riddler who had the horrible green leotard with question hey, marks? Or was that Frank Gorshin was the Jim Carrey Jim- version? Uh, but I think all of them had ghastly leotard so far um actually the, the the most recent one hasn't mostly just been in suits but yes mm. frank gorshin was a genius <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. of course i am now imagining that role played by frank nelson yes i am now imagining the riddler played by frank nelson who was the guy with the yes <laughs> response in the jack benny show okay I don't know why, it's just what was going on in my head. And you felt that you had to share. We're 86 episodes in, people. <laughs> you should know what's going on at this point. Okay. Yeah. That one needs some refinement and possibly extra limbs and pseudopodia locked off. <laughs> but, yeah. May- maybe it's uh, the the recent reevaluation of Anki Howard's work. It's make me reluctant to make it twee at the moment but yeah maybe that's necessary yeah, too that's mm-hmm. <laughs> well things do get uh, reinterpreted according to what's sort of going on culturally so yeah, yeah that's fair that's fair all right well is that us do you think i think so i think we have clearly the al hazard icon is lit and glowing brightly for the masses okay so do you want to do the closeout for this one all right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for episode 86 of The Big Red Couch. And we are looking forward to episode 87, Canadian Mind Beams. And with any luck, we will increase our percentage of Canadianness from currently absolutely none. I, I have never been to Canada. I don't know about you, but I'm assuming not, given your distaste for the outside world in general <laughs> and travel in, uh, in particular. Not even close, as it happens, so... I, I do like their maple syrup. So we're going to have to do something about that. So we'll have to, like, ingest vast quantities of maple syrup, or, you know, maybe find a guest host? Yeah, we could try. Weirder things have happened? Well, I'm at a hostel. There's got to be some Canadians around somewhere. <laughs> Just, you know, under the couch cushions or something. Mm, well, they'd, they'd be too polite to say anything about it if you sat on them. That's <laughs> how it works, apparently. I've been told this. All right. Thanks very much, everyone, and we'll hope to see you next time. Bye. Bye. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, 3.0 unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.